Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Bananas are the best fruit. Sweet tasting, easy to eat, and they definitely have appeal. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It is a cool weather time. Oh, boy, am I happy. Boy, am I happy. Uh, but in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to talk about the, uh, the... I'm going to revisit again the uh, the difference between a bulk tobacco from a manufacturer and a tin tobacco or, you know, a product that comes in a tin. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, very exciting. Uh, Mutton Chop Piper from YouTube. Sat down with Mutton Chop and got to know him. And we've got music from Mutton Chop Piper. So kind of a double whammy. It's kind of fun to have a guest on that you can have also some music from too. Um, mailbag and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a rant or a rave yet. I haven't decided as I'm sitting here recording this whether I feel like a rant or a rave. I will say right now at the beginning of the show in light of what went on this weekend, you know what? I love you, Las Vegas. I am still coming to the West Coast Pipe Show in uh, just about four weeks, and I am still looking forward to it. And as uh, Garth Brooks said, and uh, many others have said, the show must go on, and that's the way we win. So I will uh, see you all in Vegas at the West Coast Pipe Show, November 4th and 5th at the Palace Station. Hope you are making your plans. I have heard that, uh, hey, they've, they've sold out of the rooms in the room block, so that's a good sign. Uh, but looking forward to getting back together with the uh, with the gang from Vegas, especially now. Um, with all that being said, you know what? Let's just uh, let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. Here goes the age-old battle. Uh, Packaged tobacco, tins or pouches versus bulk tobacco. And keep in mind, please, that uh, the idea of a bulk tobacco is primarily an American idea. The United States is one of the few places on earth still where you can sell loose packaged tobacco and we'll, uh, or, or, you know, packaged tobacco out of a loose jar. custom blended in the store or something like that you know and hopefully it'll stay that way for a while but we'll uh, we'll find out more in a couple of years probably all right so what is the difference between a blend that comes in a five pound bag or a one pound bag or and is poured into a jar and then served to you or something that is prepackaged from the factory now, let me preface this by saying I personally have been in the in three of the four largest pipe tobacco factories in the world, all right? I've been in three of the four myself, and I've known a lot of people that have worked for the fourth one. You figure out where I've been. Um, it The, the processing is uh, very similar. All right, every packaged tobacco starts out as a bulk blend. Every packaged tobacco is blended in large quantities. 
Some companies will do it as small as 10, 12 pounds at a time. But when you're talking about the big four factories, it's a minimum of 40 or 50 pounds that's being blended all at once. That's it. Flat out simple minimum. So they all kind of start out the same. Now, I will tell you that when it gets time to put them in a package and where they go, some blends are absolutely identical. And if you want me to tell you which ones are absolutely identical, uh, just send a very large check to my name and I will start telling you. No, I'm kidding. Um, you, need to, you need to really just kind of smoke around and find out for yourself if, it's, if it feels the same or tastes the same. You know, it's probably the same. Um, with some of the other tobacco factories and including some of the large ones, the tobaccos that are planned for uh, for loose uh, for bulk tobacco, or the blends, you know, when a blend is made and it's planned for a loose tobacco versus a tin, uh, some companies will use better leaf quality and a little bit better flavoring when it comes to the uh, comes to the tin tobacco versus the bulk. A really good example of this is if you go back to the 1990s and you had Dunhill bulk tobaccos and you had Dunhill tin tobaccos. Those were actually coming out of two completely different factories. I don't know what they're doing now. Can't confirm it. But I do know that in the 1990s and into the early 2000s, they were coming from two completely separate factories. Same recipe, same components, but two completely different factories. So you got a completely different smoking experience out of them. All right? Um, when you're dealing with a company, you know, with a smaller company like a Cornell and Deal or a McClelland or a, uh, a Dan Tobacco or guys like that, they are obviously going to make sure that the best leaf and the best processing that they have goes into the more expensive, more premium tin tobacco products. Uh, when you're looking at somebody like uh, Germain uh, or Dan Tobacco or Samuel Goweth, Goweth Hogarth, uh, you know, that's going to be the best stuff that you're going to get is in the tins. Uh, you may not get the best. Uh, you, you may or may not get the best quality when you start buying in their bulk packages. Now, I will tell you that the next thing that happens is completely organic, and you can blame Mother Nature for it. Don't blame anybody else. But when a tobacco is put into a tin or a pouch or a can or whatever you want to call it. That environment is sealed and closed. So the fermenting and the aging and the marrying process is accelerated because that is a tight, closed environment. When you package something into a very big five-pound bag, uh, that's not a real airtight, not completely sealed environment. It's very loose. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a little bit of a difference for you just purely on the physics and what Mother Nature will do over time. And yes, those big five-pound bags, they do leak a little bit, so that's why you'll see a lot of them will have aromatics in them if you're, uh, if you're storing an English or a Virginia that you're buying in bulk in five-pound bags. Eh, you better get your friend the mason jar out and, uh, and start stocking, you know, start loading those up because... Any of those bags, mylar, plastic, whatever they are, you're going to get maybe uh, maybe two to three years before 
the English and the Virginias are going to completely dry out. Uh, plus, you know, you really don't want your tobacco sitting next to plastic for too long. Um, last little tidbit of information. Of course, aromatics will last a whole lot longer in plastic bags. Uh, you know, obviously, we uh, we want to... We want to do the best we can with the money that we have and buy the best possible. So if you're, uh, if you're stockpiling your favorite aromatic blend, let me just suggest you start buying those big, uh, those big mason jars and start sealing them up and, uh, go back to, go back about, uh, four years and you'll hear what I do with the mason jars before I get them ready to put my bulk tobaccos away, uh, but again, you just want to you want to close up the you want to seal the environment and close it up. Uh, aromatic tobaccos, when you pack them into the mason jars, pack them pack them fairly tight. Pack them you know, as tight as you can because you really don't want the aging process to continue. You want it as static as possible. So tighter, less air, less aging. Uh, Virginia's and English, pack them loose. Let that air in there. That air in there will help age them and help move the aging process along at a natural rate and will not uh, overcook them. So a whole bunch of information in there for you. And let's get on with the uh, let's get on with my guest because uh, Mutton Chop Piper is uh, quite a fun guy. So uh, he'll be on the phone with me in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment, so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell & Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and joining us on the telephone, which is not a normal place for you. Normally we can see your face all over YouTube, but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad to get to know you and I'm glad to have you on the show. So please welcome Mutton Chop Piper to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, everyone. Glad to be on the show, Brian. Appreciate it. Yeah, so you don't you don't have to get dressed up for this. You can just sit back and uh, and uh, you know be relaxed because we can't see you, which we normally can. Uh, but first, let, let's go back and uh, find out just a little bit about you. Like where'd you where'd you grow up? What'd you do when you grew up? And and when did you start smoking a pipe? Well, uh, I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, just a normal kid, city kid. I didn't really. I, Went to school like most everybody else, and uh, um, I really didn't have a path in life. Uh, about high school time, um, I went over to my uncle's house one day and told him I had, I think I had read a Tarzan book or something, and I was explaining to him about it, and he goes, 
oh, that sounds like fantasy. I said, yeah, fantasy, what is that? And he goes, oh, that's that's a great um, group of uh, books that you can read. He goes, here, take these books and read them. I said, well, what are they? He goes, it's, the Lord, it's called The Lord of the Rings, and you'll love it, so just take it and read it. <laughs> so I said, okay. So um, I started off with uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, and he was right. As soon as I started reading, um, I would I would go to class in the morning, and then we'd get an hour and a half for lunch, and I would run in and eat my lunch, and then I'd go to the library and I'd read for the rest of rest of the time that I had um, lunch, and it just blew me away. The uh, I guess it's like most people out there; they just they love uh, they love the the setting, the you know the it's like being in the country and. I just loved all that. So um, I noticed that, you know, there was a lot about this pipe smoking. What is this pipe smoking thing? What's going on here? So I kind of investigated and I found out there was a couple of places in Lexington that had, there was pipe shops. And uh, one of them was called um, Tobacco Lane and it was in Turfland Mall. I don't know if any of your uh, listeners live in uh, Lexington area, the, the uh, Turfland Mall is nowhere, no longer around, but at that time, um, they had a tobacco shop there, and it was run by this this older lady. I think she's probably in her 60s, <laughs> but she was um, the meanest woman that I think I've ever met. She just, you know, so I came in one day, and I said, hey, is there, I was 16, you know, I was 16 years old, and I said, Hey, would you consider hiring me? She goes, kid, get out of here. What are you talking about? I'm not going to hire you. What would you do? I said, I'll do anything, whatever you want me to do. And so, you know, she would kept, kept. Then she saw me coming one day. She goes, fine, fine. <laughs> Just come in here and we'll hire you. I said, okay. So so she had me take all the knickknacks and stuff off the shelves and clean it. And I think even back then, back in the 70s, there was laws against minors selling tobacco. There were no laws about minors smoking tobacco. So after two weeks, I said, okay, I'm going to give you a paycheck. I said, wait. I said, is there any way instead of getting a paycheck, you let me pick a pipe? And she goes, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, my first pipe was a Ben Wade freehand. Wow. Uh, and, I, 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 and I picked it because it looked like something that, someone in the Lord of the Rings would smoke. So um, I picked it and uh, got some of their sweetest tobacco that I could find and commenced to packing it and commenced to lighting it and commenced to getting tongue bite and getting <laughs> coughing through the whole thing. And and I thought, wow, this maybe I better not be doing this. So, uh, But it, that's, that's when I started actually uh, smoking a pipe. And and have you smoked a pipe regularly ever since then, or did you take some time off? Yeah, I've I've taken time off. Um, I I started regular. You know the thing about being sixteen, and I really wasn't that popular of a kid. I didn't do sports. I didn't wasn't on the debate team or any of that kind of stuff. I was I was a hundred and five pounds, um, skinny kid. And so it was sort of something that I had to kind of keep quiet because, you know, the second other kids in high school found out I smoked a pipe, that would be the end. They'd be, yeah. 
you know, making fun of me and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so I, I smoked it at home and I smoked it out in the backyard covertly. And, and then when I got in the Marine Corps, sometimes it was easier, especially when, when you go on deployment, it's hard to keep tobacco and it's hard to smoke. So, um, then when my wife got pregnant with the kids and I kind of took a break then, uh, but I think I have been smoking on and off for the last 30 years, so probably 20 of that has been regular. So how long were you in the Marines? 20 years. Wow. So you, you, uh, you did the full 20, and now you, now, you, uh, now you get the fruits of your reward of a uh, decent retirement. Yeah, it was, um, it was I, I, I don't know if you call it bad luck or good luck, but every time I went out on deployment uh, in the Marine Corps, I worked on helicopters. I worked on um, uh, Cobra and Huey helicopters. Well, we get deployed to the Mediterranean to, and we're there to kind of, you know, show our uh, allies that, hey, we're here. We're, we're, we've got to, you know, if something should happen to you, we're there to help. Um, so we would go into the Mediterranean and we would train, we'd fly the helicopters around and stuff. And then we'd go in. But it seemed like every time I went, uh, my first appointment was in 1983 and we went to Beirut. And that was the time when the Marine barracks got blown up Yeah, and got destroyed. So that was actually um, on my birthday. No, was it? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a <laughs> bad memory, I guess there. Um, but, uh, I was, uh, give you a little bit of history on, on where I was at the time. Um, there, when you go, uh, on a ship, uh, they save all of the, um, the trash, the refuse and all of the waste, uh, human waste. Uh, they save it up until they have to what's called pump and dump. Well, they go out. 150 miles off the coast so as to not contaminate anything that's near the the coast and they uh, do what's called pump and dump they dump the trash and they pump the, the waste out so um, at the time they were considering sending some cobras in and I was slated to go so they're going back and forth well should we no no maybe not should we yeah and finally, they decided, no, we're not going to do it. So um, we go out and pump it up, and I just went back to the barracks, uh, the birthing area, and went to sleep. Well, about 6.30, um, 7 o'clock, guy walks through the birthing area, and he says, get up. We got casualties. Well, we had, we had been taking casualties in from Beirut, you know, a couple here, a couple there. And uh, so everybody just sort of like, yeah, 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 whatever, we'll get up, we'll get up. But, I don't know, about 30 seconds later, he comes back through, he goes, look, the Marine Bears has just got blown up, we got mass casually, get up. And it was like, <laughs> blankets go flying, people are jumping up, getting dressed and running upstairs and, and getting the helicopters ready. And sure enough, you know, we, we you know, we didn't. We had we did not know anything was going on with it, so um, we brought 
a lot of the casualties to the ship with our 53s, CH-53s. Um, but then they decided, no, we're going to take them by 141 to Germany to, um, you know, to do triage and stuff. So we had to fly them back to the airport, and uh, and then they took off from there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite an experience. Wow. All right, so let's fast forward because I, you've got one of the, your YouTube channel is relatively, I, I guess it's fair to say it's relatively young. You've only been doing this now for about two years, is that right? A uh, little bit less. December 26 will be two years. And why? I started, uh, go ahead. Yeah, why Why did you start doing it? Well, I was, I was looking for a video. Uh, I can't remember now what it was, but I was looking for a video. I was having a problem, and I was looking for a video to try to solve the problem. So I went through all the, as many of the uh, videos that I could get my hands on, and it didn't seem to solve the problem that I was having. And then I noticed that it didn't seem like the information that they were passing on was consistent and it wasn't um it wasn't helpful there there was a lot of videos where they would you know they would say something like um how to smoke your pipe correctly and i'd get on and just watch it and the person would talk about everything else but how to smoke their pipe and i was like this is kind of i don't know this is just it's one of those things where you say you know, I bet you I could do a better job than that. So I said, okay, well, let me just let me just try. Well, over Christmas break from work, I sat down with myself and I said, now, is this something you want to do? Because if you do this, you're going to have to do it right and you're going to have to do it, you know, you're not going to, uh, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it or not, but you can't have screw this up. You've got to do you got to you got to go all in or not do it at all. And I decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go all in. So um, I just started with um, the art of pipe smoking videos, volumes one through, I said, I guess fifteen or whatever. You know, started at started at the beginning. You know, what do you need? Um, uh, how do you uh, how do you pack your pipe? How do you light your pipe? So um, yeah, that's kind of how I got started. I just decided that that you know maybe i could do a better job and so that's that's what i kind of that's how i kind of started that is a perfect place for us to take a break when we come back we'll talk about a couple of the couple of the other things that mutton chop does and then uh, we'll talk about music and all that so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute my name is shane ireland and i'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com it's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at 
366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with uh, Mutton Chop Piper and uh, well first of all obviously if anybody's seen a picture of you or seen your videos we know why your name is Mutton Chop because uh, that's fairly self-explanatory but so you so you start out and you do these and when at, at what at what point do you realize wait a second this is really getting serious because you know Obviously, you didn't you didn't half-ass the first ones, but then you start getting a ton of subscribers and views. Right, um, uh, January uh, when I when I first started doing the videos, I thought, okay, I would review the videos, and I'd say, you know what, you're just horrible at this. You <laughs> you stop and you think and you stumble your words and uh, you know you're not you're not smooth like uh, like a lot of these other guys are so you know buddy you'll be lucky if you get 200 people but then I thought to myself well that's okay if I get 200 people that's 200 people that maybe I can help um, get started in the right way and that was my mission statement one to myself was I I had such a horrible time when I first started uh, pipe smoking. Um, let's kind of go back to that point. Um, at the store, you know, I was I was smoking my pipe and I was just getting horrible tongue bite and, and it tasted like ash and it was just horrible. And I would ask some people, hey, you know, can you show me some tips? Now, get away from me, kid. You, you know, because they assume, hey, this kid's just a fad. It's, you know, he's going to smoke for a while and then get bored with it and move on to something else. Uh, and, you know, no one seemed to want to help me out. They just kind of pushed me aside. So I remember that distinctly, like, you know, um, and then when I did get help, it was usually the wrong kind of help. So um, I thought to myself, you know, how can I go about doing some videos where new pipe smokers and maybe even pipe smokers that are on the verge of saying, you know, this is it, man. I can't take this tongue bite. I can't take, <laughs> you know, I'm getting this nasty, acrid uh, taste in my mouth. How, I, I'm, about, I'm about close to getting given up. How can I help those people um, get on the right track and learn to smoke their pipe correctly right out of the gate instead of having to go through that agony? And then finally, after years of, trying and asking and uh, finally figured out, figured it out. So, um, and I've still got the same mission. My mission is exactly the same as it was two a year and a half ago. That's my goal. So once I got 200 in January, I said, Oh, that's cool. I said, okay, well, that's, that's good. Okay. We can stop now. Well, then it went to 500 and I said, okay, that's, that's okay. I can sign out that. Then I went to 1500 and then I'm like, okay. And then 2000 and 2500 and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is just getting, wait, stop. I, <laughs> I, you know, I was under, under the assumption that I could just wish or I could just tell YouTube, okay, that's, that's enough. I don't need any more. 
But no, it didn't work that way. Yeah. YouTube just keeps on going and keeps on going. If if you catch fire like that, it just keeps going. And I was like, oh, no. So um, then I had to kind of reevaluate. I had to say, okay, so yes, now it's becoming popular, but you know what do we what do we do now what how do we go about making sure that it it's it stays true to my mission statement and i think i've been able to to do that but um uh yeah it's uh, i'm shocked i really am i like i said i'm not a smooth talker i i stumble my words and i take long pauses but i i guess i guess i have to click with some people you have, and I've watched a lot of YouTube pipe presenters, but you have an extremely comfortable delivery. It's a pleasure to sit and watch your video for 10 minutes. Uh, and your thoughts are clear and concise, and you get your message across. And I, I'm pretty sure that's why, uh, I'm pretty sure that's why you have, you know, almost 13,000 subscribers. Uh, plus, you, you're doing some interesting stuff that I don't think a lot of other people have done on YouTube. And I'm not a YouTube expert, but uh, you've done the, uh, I may screw this up, but you've done the uh, the Pipe Review Club. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, called Blend Club. Yeah, so tell, tell everybody what that is exactly. Okay, well, um, I had been, once I started getting a lot of... Uh, of and 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 something else I want to tell you that I have really kind of hit home with people is is I don't like the word subscriber. Subscriber sounds cold and impersonal, and it's just it just I, I cringe every time someone says, "Hey man, I'm a new subscriber." So I kind of correct them. No, you are not a subscriber to a channel. You have joined the Mutton Chop Pipe Club. We are a pipe club. We're not, you know, it, we're, we all do the same thing. We all love doing the same thing. And a subscriber to me sounds like someone who is on the outside looking in. No, you're not. Come on. You, you come on in. Come on in out of the cold. Load your pipe. Uh, smoke it with, with the rest of the club. Uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. So uh, anyway, the, the um some of the club members had asked, uh, hey, Mutton Chop, is there any way that you would do um, some some tobacco reviews? And I got to thinking about, you know what, there is so many people out there doing pipe tobacco reviews. How can I make it better, make it more interesting for people? And then I got to thinking, you know, I, re I, I remember hearing about these book clubs where people will buy a book and they'll go away and they'll say, okay, read chapter two, three, one, two, and three, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it. I said, I wonder if I could do the same thing with the blend club, with, with a, uh, with doing pipe reviews, pipe tobacco reviews. So I thought to myself, well, if I can get people to purchase one ounce of 12 different tobaccos, and review each one of those tobaccos one once a month. I have it. <clears throat> I have it in my hand in a my pipe, and I'm smoking it. They have it in their hand and in their pipe, and they're and they're smoking it. Uh, 
we can sort of go together as I'm doing the review, they can review it along with me. So um, as I'm reviewing it being a smoker who's smoked it for 30 years, there may be a guy that uh, just has been smoking for six months. Now he doesn't, he doesn't think that his opinion about a blend is important, but it is because if I'm a new pipe smoker and I've, discover blend club and i get on there and a guy says hey mutton chop i'm a new pipe smoker so i really don't know what i'm doing but uh, i did want to be part of the blend club and i just want to let you know that that i do taste this and i do taste that and it is nice and smooth you know a new pipe smoker may say okay this guy likes it and he's a new pipe smoker so i think i'll pick that one up to see if i like it as well um so it just kind of um the idea just kind of popped in my head, and I put it forward to everybody, and and I got a great response, and a lot of people bought the tobacco, and uh, yeah, it's been it's been one of the highlights of the channel. Yeah, it, and it it's really a great way to make it, I mean, completely interactive, and uh, and I and I'm sure you get some uh, some differing opinions after everybody smokes the tobacco. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's but that's good. Yeah. Uh, what I do, what I require is is that you put uh, a rating, and I so I started out with like um, emojis, <laughs> but then it kind of went into you know somebody would put hearts or they'd put um, skulls or whatever, anything that would show a rating, and then give me a short synopsis of what you thought of the blend. How did you like the smell of it in the bag? How did it smoke for you? Was it something you liked? You disliked? And the, one of the criteria about Blend Club is I only allow Blend Club reviews on those on those uh, uh, videos. So, so what I'll do every so often is I'll go through those videos and check them out. And if there's somebody there that says, and I and I warn everybody on each video, I said, look, if you got a question and you put it on this Blend Club video. I'm gonna I'm gonna delete it because I want people to to go to blend club videos and just look and see what people think of the blend instead of having to try to cherry pick. Okay, there's one. Okay, there's a couple more comments. There's one. There's a couple more comments. Um, and I think everybody understands that, and they're not. And they're, it, I don't think it's a big deal, but um, and and it keeps it cleaner. It keeps it uh, a little bit easier for especially a new or intermediate pipe smoker to kind of navigate that blend club blend to see if they happen to like it. No, but that, that adds to the level of quality of your channel and the professionalism and that it makes it easier for us that are going back and want to, we want to find reviews and then we want to look at the comments on your other videos too. So we, uh, we definitely appreciate that. Uh, you, you've also done a series on uh, famous pipe smokers and what they've smoked. Correct. And you want to uh, you want yeah, uh, tease us with correct. a couple of celebrities and uh, and some of their tobaccos, but but don't give it to us all because we're going to go to your channel and watch your videos anyway. Douglas MacArthur, uh, he famously smoked um, uh, Missouri Meerschaum. No, yeah, Missouri Meerschaum. Um, corn cob pipes. That is right, right? Yeah. Yep. Think so. Uh, he smoked corn cob pipes. Well, um, he didn't really care what he smoked. He 
he would go to the PX and whatever was there, he would he would grab some. Um, so that was kind of um, <laughs> unusual to find that out. That you know he didn't really have a favorite blend. He just he just whatever was at the at the PX, he would pick it up and he would he would smoke it. So yeah, they're just I mean they're enjoyable videos. Uh, you're also a musician and you play dulcimer. Correct. It's called a mountain dulcimer. It's not the hammer dulcimer, so is it hand-picked? Yes. Um, uh, mountain dulcimer is um, what what I consider, what a lot of people in the dulcimer community calls a poor man's instrument. Basically, <laughs> how it got started was um, used to, uh, back in the early 1900s, um, the... Um, produce and stuff like that would come in crates made of wood and they would just discard that wood well you know uh, these people would uh, mountain people would pick up the wood and they'd shape it and they would make it into an instrument and then they would take the um, guitar strings of like a guitar like the guy would have a guitar and he was going to restring his guitar they take those old guitar strings and they would string it up onto the onto the dulcimer. Now it's it's called either a mountain dulcimer, Appalachian mountain dulcimer, or a lap dulcimer because it sits in your lap. And the um, uh, reason I got into that is my uncle, who has passed away, uh, he was really big into uh, the mountain dulcimer, and he brought it one Christmas when I was a kid. And I saw it and I said, "Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, whatever. Okay, <laughs> then I'm uh, let's move on." So I didn't really. You know, uh, it didn't click. So once I got out of the Marine Corps, my wife started working, but she worked on third shift. So I was at home alone at night most of the time. And I said, well, I got to find something. I said, well, I've always wanted to play an instrument. Hey, I remember my uncle used to talk about a Mount Dulcimer. So let me, uh, let me check into that. So I bought my first one and it was the cheap. Uh, it didn't sound very well, but I learned the basics. And then I was able to afford a little bit better one. And then I got uh, I got crazy with it. I decided <laughs> I really want to learn this, and there's a certain type of dulcimer playing I want to play, so I'm just going to. So I went to every um, music festival I could get my hands on, um, anybody that would teach me anything. Uh, and I just I'd sit for three to four hours a night and just and just play and and learn and play and learn and uh, within ten months um, I produced my first uh, I think it was fourteen original um, um, mountain dulcimer tunes. And what? Um, at, at first I was just gonna give it away as as gifts, so I gave it to my uncle, the one that turned me on to. Dulcimer, and he said, "He said you've got to get this out here, man. This is unbelievable. These songs are great. You need to put them out." I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm not doing that." Well, he convinced me, so I kind of went to one of the shows and put them up on this table, and they sold. So uh, <laughs> then, shortly after that, I just started, you know, songs just started rolling out, and I just couldn't stop it. And to date, I have five albums of original Mount Dulcimer tunes. And we're going to play some of your music after uh, in the music segment coming up. 
I just want to jump back to uh, back to pipes real quick before we wrap this sure. up. Uh, you you talk about the uh, you talk about the breath method in pipe smoking, and I think we've talked about it on the show. But if you could give us like a two minute description of what the breath method is and what it's done for you as a pipe smoker. Yeah, it's um, it's a way to regulate the amount of smoke that you draw into your mouth. Basically, what you do is you take the uh, uh, you take the bit of the of the pipe and you put it in your mouth and you create a seal with your mouth. Now, people can do this if you've got a pipe without tobacco in it. Just take your pipe and put it in your mouth, and don't allow any air to get in around the pipe seal your lips around it and then breathe in through your nose and out through your nose in through your nose out through your nose but do it in a in a you know don't go you know in out in out in out just go you know breathe in and breathe out it's all done through your nose now um in one of my videos i i kind of give an example of how to draw as you breathe in through your nose, you lightly sip in some of the smoke. And then as you breathe out of your nose, you send that small wisp of smoke back through the stem and until you see a wisp of smoke coming out of the bowl. And you just constantly do that, but you do it to the rhythm of, of the intake of oxygen through your nose and out your nose. You don't go, you don't breathe in your nose and then out your mouth. It's all done, all the breathing is done through your nose, in and out, in and out. And as you, as you breathe in through your nose, you draw just a small amount of, of smoke. And it's what's called massaging the smoke. You draw it in, you taste it, and then as you breathe out your nose, you send that wisp, that, that smoke that you drew in back through the pipe until you see a small wisp of smoke coming out of the out of the bowl you do that about two or three times and then you know, like the fourth time instead of sending it back through the stem and out through the bowl you send it out of your mouth and that's okay. where you get the smoke coming out of your mouth there's a misconception um, that smoking a pipe means that you have to draw the smoke in and blow it out your mouth draw the smoke in blow it out your mouth well, that's what that's the mistake a lot of people make because when they start doing that, they draw too hard and they draw too fast, and then that's what heats up the bowl, which in turn gives you tongue bite and the tobacco tastes like ash. If you can get this rhythmic um, way of smoking using the breath method, um, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I have I've probably got 150, 200, 500. Uh, comments. The breath method saved me pipe smoking. <laughs> I was about to give up. I employed your breath method and now I can taste the tobacco. I'm no longer getting tongue bite. It's absolutely wonderful. So, And the tobacco probably lasts a lot longer too. It does. It does. And, and it's rare that your tobacco goes out because as you're sending the smoke back through, you're sort of um, stoking that uh, ember uh, and yeah. but you're not stoking to the point where it's heating the pipe up uh, it's just kind of keeping that ember lit 
uh, and it's and the tobacco underneath it is just kind of feeding it with uh, with fuel. Um, and yeah, it's it really is a, it's amazing how how different a smoking a pipe is with the breath method. That is a perfect place for us to wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe is the Savinelli Porto Cuervo Rusticated 122 pot. And what is your favorite tobacco? Favorite tobacco is um, um, Maltese Falcon. Uh, from GOP's. What is your favorite drink? Uh, talking about um, alcoholic or any kind of drink? Any kind. Um, I'd have to say um, an espresso coffee. really like that, especially with a pipe. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A movie. Uh, what do you think of the Lord of the Rings movies? Um, I liked them. Um, I I think, like everyone, I was a little bit disappointed that they didn't stay closer to the books, but I understood why they couldn't. If you stay as close as you could to the books, it would be eight films, three hours long each. Yeah. It just was. <laughs> so they did, I think, a good job of, uh, and what I really liked about it is they knew what was important to the fans. So they made sure to include the things that they knew the fans would demand be in the films. And, and I really appreciate that they did that. They put the, uh, the points that uh, they knew the fans would enjoy in those movies. So, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed them. Uh, but uh, reading the book is a whole different, uh, whole different game. And then the final question is: Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Um. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know if it's a memory or not, but. Um, between December and when I went to the Chicago pipe, uh, pipe show for the first time, um, I'm I'm a I'm a simple kind of guy. I don't I don't go in for flash and bang, and I don't you know I I I'm just a you know I get dressed, I go to work, I come home, uh, spend time with my wife, eat, smoke my pipe, go to bed. I'm just you know I'm not somebody that's just that does a lot of outlandish things and I don't get noticed. Well, after, you know, 5,000, um, pipe club members, when I went to my first Chicago pipes club or uh, pipe uh, show, I had a lot of people come up to me and say, Oh, one job piper. I love your videos. And it was, it was a little bit different. I was, I didn't know how to react. Cause I was like, Okay, well, what's going on here? Because I've never experienced that before. So it was pleasant, very, very pleasant, but it was just uh, very unusual for someone like me to, to have people come up and, and say how much they enjoyed the, the show or enjoyed the, uh, enjoy the videos. 
for the first time going to the Chicago Pipe Show, you didn't realize how many close friends you had there waiting for you. No, I didn't. I really didn't. And I was, I left there with uh, feeling great and um, feeling loved, really, because, you know, everyone just, they wanted to smoke a pipe with me. They wanted to talk to me. They wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, be part of me. So uh, it, it was really a, uh, it was really a, a, a warm, uh, great feeling when I got back from that show. The YouTube channel is M-U-T-T-N-C-H-O-P, Piper, Mutton Chop Piper. Definitely well worth the well worth the time spent to sit down and uh, sit down and watch a bunch of his videos. And uh, Mutton Chop, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure, and I appreciate you uh, seeking me out and uh, wanting to talk to me. And we'll be back in just a minute. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 Collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic Cashmere, the sultry Licoricea, and the striking Archibaldino Red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and do uh, do check out uh, Mutton Chop's uh, YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun. And uh, for music, so we go to the uh, the Mountain Dulcimer, and the song is called Love of Lexington. You can find the album on iTunes, and uh, Mutton Chop's uh, Musician name is Chris Carlisle, so check that out. It's also on Spotify. Uh, this was not the song that he suggested to me, but this is the one that I like the most. So it's called Love of Lexington.
In the mailbag, going back to uh, last week, Pirate Mate says, I I know Mr. Levine has a penchant for all things Disney. Just wanted to share this with him here, and it's a link to a... uh, uh, to a Zippo lighter that had a uh, that was designed by Disney during uh, the, the the artwork was designed by Disney during World War II, and in fact Disney did a lot of the uh, propaganda or uh, training films during uh, for the war effort, and they also designed a lot of the uh, battalion or uh, insignias that you'd see on uh, on different troops and all kinds of stuff that I really don't know the specifics of, but. Uh, that was how uh, the Disney Studios stayed working during uh, during the time of during World War II, which you know, not a lot of movies were being made. Uh, going on, uh, Casey Ghost writes a really spectacular show. Your description of the Casey show was right on target. Three last minute cancellations didn't help us much. The Thursday meeting attendance was spectacular. I figured we had sixteen celebrities from the Pipe World come in and share the barbecue with us. That's a really good thing. And I'll say the barbecue again was really good, too. Uh, Then he goes on to write, Can you have a better guest than Ryan Alden? He is so unassuming, to say the least. No braggadocio, no airs, just all Ryan. You gotta love him. I could have listened to you guys for another hour. Well, come to Las Vegas and you'll get a chance to listen to us. Uh, And then uh, Anna Tanstraskogin, that's his name on Pipes Magazine, so go there and figure it out and tell me if I pronounced it right. Writes, um, as a new listener, I've been working my way through the back episodes. You've asked about recommendations of fiction with pipe-smoking characters in them. You can find this in many of E.E. Doc Smith's science fiction novels of the early to mid-20th century, also known as the Golden Age of Sci-Fi. The science in them reflects a lack of knowledge about the many things we've since learned, and when almost anything a writer made up would be acceptable to the readers. But the stories can still be quite enjoyable as long as the reader keeps these in mind. So there you go, E.E. E. Doc Smith, uh, science fiction. Also, again, I'm still having some problems with my email and uh, getting things organized, so... Uh, if you have sent me an email and I have not responded to you by uh, Tuesday, October 3rd, uh, send it again, please. I'm having issues and I'm trying to fix them. Uh, just as uh, for some fun coming up, the uh, tobaccos that have been uh, mentioned to me to review are uh, Frog Morton on the Bayou, uh, Sutliff, the 507C Virginia Flake, GLP Sixpence, CND Habana Daydream, McClellan 2015, and McClellan 5100. There's two bulks to talk about. And then uh, Rick Newcomb has asked for Presbyterian and Dorisco mixture. So if, uh, if you've sent me a suggestion and it's not on that list, let me know. And uh, next week, as uh, soon as... Uh, <laughs> As soon as I uh, decide, I'm going to take a shot at one of those that's on that list because I've got them all sitting here and looking at them. All right, in just a minute, instead of a rant or a rave, just a observation and reminder time. Cowboy. Cowboy. 
Time is the only commodity we can't get back, and we don't know exactly how much we exactly have. Every moment is precious, enjoy it, and utilize it to the maximum because time is the only commodity that if you waste it, you don't get it back. Uh, talking about commodities, what do we need as necessities? We need food, shelter, and most of us need clothing. Some of you, fine without it, but... Um, most of us need clothing there's no reason to steal or take anything else but the basic necessities if you're down on your luck all you need is food shelter and clothing if you're wanting at something and i'm talking to the person that stole the pipe from a pipe show in the past which seems to happen to each one you really don't need that pipe how many pipes do you need? You need one. How much tobacco do you need? You just need what's in that bowl at that moment. Time is the only commodity we can't get back. Food, shelter, clothing is the only necessity that we need. And when you're down on your luck, that's the only thing you really need to look for. Let's just take a moment, relax, smoke our pipe, and enjoy the time that we have and enjoy this little commodity that we have that gives us so much pleasure and allows us to slow down time and maybe enjoy those small moments even and make them bigger. There's nothing better to me than to take a half hour and sit down with my pipe wherever I happen to be. It doesn't seem to matter. Just watch people, watch the trees, watch whatever you happen, whatever is in front of you. And just let time slow down. So there you go. Take the time this week to sit down, relax with your pipe. And remember, time is the most important commodity. We never get it back if we waste it. All right. Um, please make sure and share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your friends, family. Share it with people that you don't like. It might be good torture for them. Um, and it might save them. You never know. Um, anyway. Thanks again to Mutton Chop Piper for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. When we're together Just sing a song And think about sunny weather Happy you thought pre-recorded meant this show was going to get better. Ha! Huh.